Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of Peru, Part 3. In the first two episodes of this series on the conquest of Peru, we looked at what was going on in the lead-up to the conquest on the Spanish side. Today, we're going to look at what was going on within the Inca Empire. To do this, I've enlisted the help of Nick Machinsky of the History of the Inca podcast. So what state was the Inca Empire in in the late 1520s? Was it on the rise or on the decline? Yeah, so the empire, the Inca Empire itself was, it wasn't in a great state in the late 1520s. Uh, to give some context to the situation, you had Huanacapac as the 11th Sapanica, or the emperor. Uh, he died in about 1524, and it left the empire in, uh, in really a succession crisis. You had two main players for the what's called the French, or the throne. Uh, you had Huascar, who was a true-blood son of Huanacapac and his principal wife, and he was stationed in Cusco, the capital of the empire. Uh, this is important because you need to uh, assume the French, or, or the Borla, uh, prior to being named Sapa Incas. There's certain rituals that uh, the heir would have to go through before he can be declared the emperor. However, Huascar was not where his father was, or his father's army was, when Huanacapac died. He died in the northern part of the empire, where he was on campaign with another son, Atahualpa. Atahualpa was Huanacapac's uh, son with a secondary wife. And so in Inca culture, it's, n- it's not necessarily the firstborn that that uh, assumes the, the fringe or the throne. It's the most fit. Uh, and they're sort of elected amongst uh, the Inca elites, so to speak. This tradition, um, it, it, has, it had been broken before. And so it, it wasn't necessarily unheard of of a secondary uh, son being, assuming the throne necessarily. But, uh, you know, tra- the tradition still stood. So 
you had two players essentially on opposite ends of the empire, one in the capital, which held a lot of religious importance and symbolism, and then you had one with the army. Now, on his deathbed, Wanakapak didn't necessarily name an heir. Uh, he actually chose another, Ninan Kuyuchi. And some people claim that this was a complete mistake by Wanakapak, as uh, some say Ninan was a child. And we definitely know that he had already died uh, by the time Wanakapak was on his bed. It's believed that they were both suffering from smallpox at the time. And Ninan Kuyuchi just died hours beforehand. And Wanakapak was possibly not in his uh, in his clear state of mind. So again, you had the two brothers, Atahualpa, with the experienced army by his side in the north, around the Quito area. And then you had Huascar in the capital of the Inca Empire in Cusco. Uh, Atahualpa supposedly uh, presented peace offerings to Huascar and saying, Hey, I recognize you as, as Sapa Inca. But Huascar is said to have been furious that Atahualpa did not accompany their father's body when it returned to Cusco, and he instead stayed up north with the bulk of the army. Messages were exchanged between the two. Uh, Atahualpa kept claiming, hey, I'm loyal, I'm loyal. Huascar saying, okay, if you're so loyal, come come back to Cusco and, and pay homage to me. Uh, eventually, uh, talks broke down. Diplomats were executed, and the army declared Atahualpa the Sapa Inca of the north. Uh, thus, a civil, a civil war broke out not long after Wanakapak's body returned to Cusco. Uh, and this war would last uh, right until the Spanish arrived, really. And that, you know, civil wars are definitely not, this, uh, they, they definitely don't indicate an empire that is on the rise, but one in crisis. And, and so that's what we really have in the 1520s, is an, is an empire struggling uh, at the time. So it was a bad time for uh, a bunch of strange Spaniards to turn up then, by the sounds of it. So if politically it was in crisis, geographically, was the Inca Empire at its largest extent at the time? And how far did its borders cover at this point? Yes, geographically speaking, it was the largest that the Inca Empire had ever been. Uh, Topa, or Tupac Inca, actually expanded uh, bulk of the empire from Quito, uh, Ecuador, modern Ecuador, actually to, and actually into Colombia with Huanacapac. And then it extended south to the Malay River in modern-day Chile uh, to the south. Uh, east and west uh, speaking, it butted right up against the Pacific Ocean there, so all the way to the coast along that stretch. And, then, and just to the eastern side of the Andes Mountains was where the Inca Empire more or less stopped. The Inca were never really able to penetrate the Amazon rainforest. They extended a little bit into there. Uh, they had some contact with some groups, and some, some were considered... Uh, subjects, but they did extremely poorly in terms of fighting uh, the Amazonian groups uh, when they came into conflict, so they never really got too deep into the jungle there. How much control did the Inca have over the different people within their borders? 
was it a very centralized empire and how much control did they have over the north where the Spanish were about to arrive? Yeah, so throughout the history of the Inca, their control over certain groups definitely varied. Um, if a group willingly submitted to the Inca um, when the Inca came sort of literally knocking at their at their door, um, the group's leader tended to stay in power and act as a puppet uh, for the Inca. If the group resisted, the leader would be ousted or executed, and then a different ruler would be installed, uh, someone that could be more easily swayed and controlled and manipulated. So you had some groups with more autonomy than others, certainly. Um, they also resettled a lot of people, especially those who were resistant to their rule. If a group were to resist, they take some people from that group and resettle them to another part of the empire entirely. And it, it was really quite uh, troubling for those folks, uh, one has to imagine, because they're leaving their homeland, all their religious uh, belongings were there. The Inca, or the Andean people in general, were very much tied to the landscape. They had spiritual, they had spiritual ties to their homeland, and their ancestors were buried there. So being forced to leave all that behind was, I imagine, must have been quite traumatic to them. So that, that's one way the Inca definitely controlled other groups. The North uh, was quite resistant to Inca rule when the 10th uh, Sapa Inca, Tupac Inca, Yupanqui, began his conquest of the Andes. Uh, the Canari uh, were situated south of Cusco, or sorry, the Canari were situated south of uh, Quito, and they resisted uh, Inca rule for quite a while, and they actually kidnapped Atahualpa at one point during the Civil War. There was a confederation of groups around the Quito area when Tupac was conquering, and they resisted him quite well uh, for several years, I imagine, and then later succumbed. And then there was another coalition near Guayaquil that also put up a stiff resistance to Tupac during his, uh, his continued conquests. Uh, Juan Capac's reign was really about consolidation of the empire, and he was trying to sort of create this one solidified empire. Um, but he definitely had his share of rebellions, especially those near Guayaquil. Uh, I believe they rebelled, and it was quite a bloody rebellion as well. And Rebellions were quite common, actually, under the Inca. Earlier emperors suffered rebellions in, in the southern part of the empire. If there was a succession crisis or the emperor had, uh, or the previous emperor had died, there would often be rebellions somewhere in the empire. But with the Civil War, I imagine that control over many of the northern groups was quite loose. You had Atahualpa uh, sort of in the central area of the empire, or north-central area of the empire. So that area around Quito was probably pretty um, pretty ripe, I guess one could say, for the Spanish infiltrating there, sort of flipping any groups. And the Canari, again, were just south of Quito. 
they were on the losing side of the of the Civil War, and they had no love for Adalwalpa at all. That he had quite literally embarrassed them by um, by escaping and uh, beating his generals had beat them on the battlefield as well. So I imagine the Canari were quite happy to join the Spanish and fight the Inca. You mentioned that it may have been smallpox that killed Huayna Capac. Do we have any idea if Spanish or European diseases had a big impact on the Inca Empire before their actual physical arrival? Yeah, so the record for disease impacting the Inca is a little bit spotty. I personally have uh, yet to really dive into the research of how impactful uh, it is, but just based off of some numbers that I've seen through uh, readings throughout the years I've been doing my own podcast, um, there have been figures of anywhere between 25% to 90% mortality rates for certain areas of the Andes. Uh, So it it didn't hit everyone equally, but even at that even at that low end, 25%, you're talking about a quarter of that population being wiped out from disease. And, and it, it varied. Um, at that mortality rate on top of an eight-year civil war and, and an empire that's really out of manpower. One thing to find, it's difficult how prevalent the disease was, but it did have a significant impact in even if we don't know the final numbers. Uh, as I said earlier, it's believed Juan Capac died of smallpox. He may have been in his mid-50s at the time of his death. Um, and that was only eight years prior to the Spanish sort of really upending things in the Andes. It's interesting to think about how things might have been if Juan Capac was alive for another de- for another decade. Um would, he have been, would they have been in a civil war? That Would they have been in a civil war? I don't really think so, because you had, even though he had dealt with some rebellions, uh, Juan Capac was still universally recognized as the Sapa Inca among the Inca cultural group. Um, would Juan Capac have been able to repel the Spanish militarily or work out a deal with them? I mean, it's, po- it's possible. I don't know about militarily, but possibly... Uh, creating some sort of a deal. Um, by the time that Juan Capac died, Spanish made landfall on the western coast of South America. And he, we have um, some Spanish records saying that Juan Capac was actually informed of this arrival of these newcomers to their land. But how much he knew, we'll tr- we won't truly know. Um, but at that point, the Spanish... They didn't make it into the interior at all. They just, I believe, sent out a couple scouts who were actually later um, offed or, or killed. But diseases certainly made it into the interior uh, well before the Spanish did. So obviously this will be affected by the Civil War. But what do we know about the military structure of the empire? Um, how well organized was the army? And how well positioned would it have been to respond to Spanish tactics and technology? Yeah, so the Spanish, or sorry, so the Inca army, uh, it's it had two main strengths. One was the size of the army, and 
two was the ability to the, to move that army quickly over the landscape. And that's really thanks to the Inca road system running the entire length of the empire. Um, but again, that that was the secondary strength, if you will. The real strength was the, was their numbers. Um, it's regular. It's regularly said in Spanish accounts that the Inca could field over a hundred thousand men, or even two hundred thousand at times. Uh, we have a, we have numbers to back up a hundred thousand through the use of quipus, um, which is a mnemonic uh, device meant for recording uh, inventories, and we know that much about the quipus. Some say it was a literary device as well, but we have yet to really crack them. Um, but the 100,000 number is likely to have only been hit a couple of times. Um, but that is still a staggering amount of uh, people in an army uh, to field, no matter who you're talking about. So those numbers are likely exaggerated, but it's possible that they hit them. So what the Inca had in numbers, they definitely lacked in in tactics and discipline. Battles opened up with a volley of slings, and later when they incorporated some groups from the edge of the Amazon, they would incorporate the bow and arrow. And those were both very lethal. Uh, It's said from Spanish accounts that a stone stone thrown from a sling could hit a horse and and fell it. Um, the The infantry would then charge in with clubs and palm swords, Uh, javelins to fight hand-to-hand. Traditionally, the Sapa Inca was the head of the army uh, during the reign of Pachacuti, the ninth and what many believe uh, to be the the greatest of the Inca emperors. Uh, He would often lead his troops into battle, and Tupac Inca, his son, is said to have done the same thing. Uh, Many, though, believe that this is... uh, it depends on the situation if the South Bank would actually get involved and uh, join the fray. But they they were said to have been good warriors, uh, especially Pachacuti and his son Tupac. Huanacapac uh, was a decent general himself, but not as great as his father and great grand or his father and grandfather, and he suffered some defeats as well. However. At the time of the Spanish, or I should say, at the time of the Civil War, both Atahualpa and Huascar were quite poor generals, in all honesty, when compared to their predecessors. Atahualpa was defeated in battle under his father and never really uh, led troops into battle again during the Civil War. Uh, He had two great generals uh, by his side, seasoned some of the best generals um, outside of the Sapa Incas themselves. And, and they really took care of Waskar and Waskar's uh, armies, and they, they're the ones that actually captured Waskar in his only attempt to lead an army outside of Cusco, and that actually ended the Civil War. So, uh, and, and when a Sapa Inca or general would fall, typically, an army would typically scattle, scatter. So, not great discipline at all. When the when Waskar fell, uh, his army is said to have re- routed uh, back to Cusco. Um, but 
that didn't help him too much once once Atahualpa's generals arrived. So in terms of if the, if the Inca were ready for the Spanish and organized enough to have repelled them, I don't really think so. There are many strikes against the Inca when compared to the Spanish. The army lacked any tactics. If a leader was cut down, discipline would uh, shrivel up. And then rout. They just had a civil war, and disease had spread over the Andes. So you had an empire that was quite literally divided, uh, north and south. The Spanish were quite good. Pizarro himself was quite good at diplomacy and used certain groups and and turned them against the Inca. And those groups actually did quite a bit of the fighting on behalf of the Spanish. Both sides during the Civil War killed quite a few of their own men, so that sapped some manpower. And though they could still field a number in the tens of thousands, any reserves uh, were essentially gone. Technologically, they were outgunned, literally. Um, They had never heard a gunshot before, let alone a cannon, which I believe the Spanish had at their their uh, arrival. So if, if one can imagine what the Inca were thinking when they heard that happened, when they heard an arquebus fire or a cannon fire, it must have been terrifying. I, I constantly try to come up with an analogy of, of something to compare it to, but I don't know what I can compare it to. Um, maybe a tank in you know the U.S. Civil War or something, even then that's still... Uh, essentially a giant gun, but it's it's sort of weird and very foreign to us to think about that sort of thing. You know, how do you imagine not hearing something like that? So you have Atahualpa as the Sapa Inca off of the Civil War, and he was really an inadequate leader at the time when the Inca needed him most. And I'm not going to get too involved into uh, what went down because I'm sure you'll cover it in the in the podcast. But um, he was not he was not effective at all uh, in leading his men against the Spanish, as I'm sure your your listeners will find out shortly. The Inca had uh, just a lot of things against them, and so um, I don't think they would have been able to put up a, a strong fight unless you had a. Uh, one of their great rulers at the helm. Is there anything, do you think there's anything else relevant that was going on within the empire or from the Inca side that hasn't been covered that should be mentioned? Just off the top of my head, I do want to just mention well, one thing uh, that, this, that didn't favor the Inca was that you had one, you had another empire who was ten technologically more advanced um, invading, yes, and you know, we could talk that uh, other nations had you know, the same problem, native nations to the Americas having the same problem, such as the Iroquois and, and others in North America, the Aztecs. Um, one comparison I'd like to make that your listeners may or may not realize is that some groups like the Iroquois were able to play different European powers off of each other, which I think was uh, a great disadvantage for the Inca in this case. 
they didn't have uh, an England to go to to say, hey, the Spanish are invading. You know, we recognize that you two are enemies. Would you like to team up with us and, and fight them? Um, the nearest European power was Portugal, and I believe at this time they were under the Spanish crown, if I'm not mistaken. So the Inca didn't really have that going for them, and I think that's a, something that uh, isn't necessarily thought about enough of like how well, how different things may have been if another European power was in the, even in the area at that time. I've put a link to Nicholas's podcast in the description of this episode. You can listen to it there or find it by searching for A History of the Inca wherever you get your podcast from. I recommend you check it out. As you will have been able to tell from this episode, Nicholas has a huge amount of knowledge on the subject of the Inca, and through his podcast he's really doing them justice in a way that I can't. So thanks to Nicholas for coming on, and until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America and that's spelt M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T If you have any comments or questions feel free to get in contact at historyoflatinamericapodcast at gmail.com You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast The Twitter handle is at History Latin AM and if you've liked the show you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes alternatively if you visit the website you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos most of these are my own taken during my time in Latin America all these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop you can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo that's spelt www.etsy.com slash m-a-x-s-e-r-j-e-a-n-t photo thanks for listening did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy take back your privacy with ip vanish vpn just one tap and all your data passwords communications browsing history and more will be instantly protected IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IP Vanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IP Vanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at ipvanish.com/audio. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit radiobeatsbeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.